Now you followed my teaching, conduct purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known that the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 10 through 17. Let's pray for the message. Father, I just ask that you would open our hearts and remove the distractions that we might hear the words. That pray for the pastor who brings the message that it be clear and good morning. Oh, come on now. Good morning. Good morning. There you go. Now, uh, if you can take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5, we're going to start a new series in chapter 5, getting some different information about life. Um, Wednesday night, for those of you that missed out, we had an interesting time of Stump the Pastor. Stumped the pastor, and it was a fun, fun evening. But there was one question that didn't get answered. So I want to get, I need some help. Hannah, can you come here, please? Now, on Wednesday night, you asked a question. What was the question? What is your definition of stress? What is my definition of stress? Now, in Wednesday night, I kind of beat it around the bush. I didn't deal with the question really uh, adequately. I didn't answer it like I answered all the other questions. So why did I not answer the question well? I don't know. Good. Thank you. Sit down. The reason is because we're going to answer the question right now. And I didn't want to preach a 40-minute answer to the question Wednesday night. This is exactly what is going on in Paul's letter. Remember last week. Remember the points of last week. We talked about how there are, uh, there's no stress in the life of a believer. And we talked about why. We talked about justification uh, happening to a believer. We talked about justification by faith. We talked about reconciliation, having peace with God. We talked about reconciliation because of the work of Jesus Christ. Then we got to the zenith, and we talked about a believer standing in grace. Standing in grace, perfect tense, you stand in grace. And there's nothing stressful that can take you out of that standing. No matter what this world gives you, it cannot take you out of that place of grace. 
And we talked about, lastly, because you are standing in grace, you can have hope, and that hope then causes you to be joyful about the future. Now, for non-believers, we touched on that last week. Non-believers are a little bit different. According to chapter 1, verse 28, uh, they did not seem fit to acknowledge God any longer, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. Their thinking is not right. To do things which are not proper. We talked about the problems they have of stress with sin, because sin never satisfied. We talked about stress problems having no purpose for living. They're meaningless lives. Stress problems come being at war with a loving God, a holy God. We talk about stress problems coming, trying to earn your way to heaven. Then if you think you're earning your way to heaven, you have to, have your, you have to somehow keep your name written in the book of life. And it's all based upon your work, so that gives you a lot of stress. Stress problems come about people who worry about the future. Um, that's why... they try to avoid thinking about death as much as possible. I've met non-believers that won't go to funerals. There'll be funerals of their grandparents, their close relatives, and they won't want to go because they don't want to face or think about death at all. And they try to avoid it. So, for a non-believer, they have stress constantly. But for a believer, standing in grace, you have a different perspective on stress. Now, in verse 3, Paul starts dealing with some of the possible, possible stressful things in a believer's life. You ready? Verse 3. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. The word exalt, we talked about last week, rejoicing in tribulation knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of god has been poured out within our hearts through the holy spirit who was given to us now stop there stop there oh my goodness i forgot to print it out i have read a prayer or actually I had somebody read to me the prayer of a of a very popular pastor in South Africa someplace where was it Carol oh good we got it will I be able to read it will it be large enough for me to read there you go now his prayer, he said, please pray the Lord will grant us traveling mercies. Please pray that he will grant me strength for the journey. Please pray for God's healing. Please pray for my dear wife as she walks through another valley, this time with her rock leaning on her. What's that? Don't go dark. Don't go dark. And then he gets to what I think is one of the real prayer requests. 
He says, please pray for our, our children. They're terrified. May the Lord use this to teach them to trust the Father who never gets weak or sick. I like that. That is his first truly biblical prayer. And then he goes on, pray for the doctors, pray for uh, finances, pray for our witness as we endure this trial. Now this is our second one, second prayer request. Pray for our witness as we endure this trial. And he goes on. But he prays for things like we sometimes pray for things. And sometimes we pray for things and we really don't want the answer. You know why? Because when God answers our prayers, we then go home at night and we pray, God, you really messed up today. It was a really terrible day. This went wrong, this went wrong, this went wrong, this went wrong. It was terrible. And in reality, what happened was God actually answered your prayer. Because one of the things he does is he brings hardships into your life for a specific spiritual reason. And many times when hardships are brought into our lives, we complain just like a non-believer would complain that our life is not perfect according to how we think it should be perfect. But God works sometimes with hardships to produce in us spiritual growth. And one of the best ways, well, let me see, what was his first one? Oh, you went dark. Okay. You know, you know what one of his first one was? He asked for something, and the best answer God could give is to give him a hardship. And sometimes we pray, and God gives us a hardship, and we forget to praise him for that hardship. Because we look at that hardship as an evil, wrong thing. Notice verse 3. And not only this, but we also exalt. We also rejoice. Not only this. Peace with hardship... Peace with hardship. What, what is a believer to do when he experiences something that could be stressful? What does a believer do when he experiences something that could be stressful? Number one. Number one. Number one. Here it comes. This will be tough. Rejoice. Rejoice. If you have something this afternoon that causes you to think about stressful things, you are to realize that God, who loves you, gives you hope to trust in, gives you grace to stand in, to, who has justified you, who has reconciled you, is giving you something where you can grow in your hope. He is not doing it. He's not looking down from the cloud going, Ooh, Fred's acting wrong. I'm going to give him a bad day. No. He does things so that you will grow in your hope. Therefore, anything stressful 
seems to be stressful, may attempt to be stressful, you won't allow it to be stressful because you're going to rejoice. And you're going to praise God for it. Uh, Paul starts with an interesting phrase. Not only this, he does it many times in Romans. He uses it. It's a, a Greek phrase to bring up another argument that he's already covered one argument. He wants to bring up argument number two. Uh, in other words, justification cannot be lost. So the believer cannot be moved from grace. So that a tribulation or a hardship will not do anything to move you from grace. The world cannot take away one blessing that comes from God. We rejoice. By the way, when we rejoice, I am not saying grin and fur it. Okay? Because sometimes we think that way. We don't grin and bear it. We don't uh, try to handle the stress without complaining. It means to be joyful knowing that God is working in your life. He's using the hardship for a divine purpose. Any suffering provides an example of God being able to bring something good out of something hard. <clears throat> and a believer can praise God for a tribulation... <clears throat> because with the comfort that God gives you during the tribulation, you can share that comfort with others. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So, what is something that could be stressful for a believer? Could be stressful for a believer. The answer... Tribulations. Tribulations. Paul links words together. Tribulation, perseverance, proven, and hope. Tribulation seems to be a physical hardship that comes by outward circumstances. A physical hardship that comes by outward circumstances. That means something that happens to you this week that may be hard for you to go through. <clears throat> it comes from outward circumstances, not from uh, yourself or from a sin you commit, but it comes from outside of you and it presses upon you. Uh, that's the word, tribulation. You can think of like an olive being squeezed so you can have olive oil. It's, it's a pressure that comes from outside and pushes you. Something stressful can be used by God to bring a justified believer closer to himself. This, this is an interesting word. It's used talking about separating grain and seed, separating wheat from chaff. It is a very interesting thing. You know how, what they used to do? If you were a slave and you're being liberated from your master, you know what the last thing your master would do to you? He'd slap you in the ear. And he'd do it as hard as he could. And guess what? The slave would take it with a smile on his face. Because that was the last act of your slavery. You're free after that. It used to be the same thing when a knight was uh, uh, crowned by a king. He would hit them with a knife. A sword. Same thing. Uh, I saw one movie one time. 
where the, the master slapped the son and said, that's so you remember it. But you go through hardships, trials, tribulations, and it is a sign that you have been justified, you've been reconciled, you have hope, you stand in grace, and that God loves you. God uses things for a divine purpose. Real quick, what are three purposes that could come, that could be stressful for a believer? What three purposes of something that sh could be stressful, could be stressful? Verse 1, into verse 3, in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, First answer, a tribulation will keep on producing perseverance. Tribulation will keep on per producing perseverance. The hands of God, the goal in the hands of God, the goal of something that sh could be stressful is leading you towards a spiritual goal. You persevere. You get stronger. You handle it. Ab ability to continue under the weight you're able to do it. Uh, one pastor translated it this way. I like this. He said, it's not merely endurance or patience, but brave perseverance. I like that. Brave perseverance. It is where you are brave, and you go through the tribulation, and you continue, and you endure. You endure. Uh, back in 1991, there was an Olympic trial, and there was a lady that was running, and she wanted to break uh, into the competition. And in the marathon, the way you break in is you have to run under a certain time to make the team. And she was running, and the time that she had to beat was uh, two hours and 45 minutes. Two hours and 45 minutes. She'd been preparing for this all her life, and she's getting uh, to the final turn after 27 miles of running, or whatever it is, and she gets around the corner, the final straightaway. She is close to coming to the finish line. She's two hours and 43 minutes as she turns the final turn. She should be able to make it easily. She should be able to make it walking <clears throat> and she fell down she knocked her head got dizzy she stayed down for 20 seconds the clock continued to tick it got to 243 244 she got up she staggered and began walking towards the finish line five yards short of the finish line Ten seconds to go, she fell again. She began to crawl to the finish line. The crowd was going crazy, cheering for her. She crossed the finish line on her hands and knees. Her time, she had to be 2.45, 2 hours, 44 minutes, and 57 seconds. She made the Olympic team. She persevered. She went through something. She dealt with it. And she persevered. That's the word. 
you persevere. When you and I go through a hardship or a trial or a tribulation or whatever it is comes from outside of us, when it comes to us, we rejoice and we know that God has a divine purpose for it. A divine purpose for it. Second, verse 4, and perseverance, proven character. Perseverance, proven character. Uh, this is an interesting word. Let's go to the second point. Second point, perseverance will keep on producing proven character. Proven character. The Greek, it's an interesting word. It's hard to translate to English. That's why you probably have different versions in your Bible. It means to stand the test, to show proof that you withstood the test. So the emphasis on the proven part, proven character. A believer standing in the grace of God can stand the test and prove that he's standing in the grace of God. You prove that you're standing in the grace of God because you persevere. And then your character is proven that you are in the grace of God. I wish Dave was here. He always misses when I want to use him in an illustration. Okay? So now you're going to have to tell him that I abused his name. Here we go. Dave likes to reload his own ammo. And he does that with what? Lead. Lead. Now, lead is an interesting thing. Uh, for those of you that know, lead melts at 621 degrees. So he has to get his little melting pot in his garage, and he has to melt the lead up to 621 degrees. Now, if he tried to make a steel bullet, do you know what he'd have to do? A little bit warmer. 3,000 degrees. 3,000 degrees. If you had a way of testing lead and steel and which one was which, all you have to do is to warm it up. Just warm it up. Just warm it up to 622 degrees. And what melts is lead, and what doesn't melt is steel. This is what happens. <clears throat> your character, your ability to understand that you are in grace, to understand that you have hope, to understand you've been reconciled with God, you have peace with God, you understand you have justification, you stand the test. The heat of this world cannot melt you. You cannot be melted out of grace. Nothing can do it. You remember the Samsonite commercial? Some of you are too young. I love that Samsonite commercial. They took their suitcase, filled it with stuff, and threw it into the cage with the baboon and the gorillas. And guess what the gorillas did with the suitcase? They jumped on it, they banged on it, they beat on it, they did it, and then they took it out and everything was okay inside the suitcase. That made me want to buy a Samsonite suitcase. That is what it takes for your character. If you have a hard day tomorrow, you remember that your character is at stake. 
Do you really just, do you really believe you're justified? Were you reconciled? Were you standing in grace? Were you handling the problem because you have hope in the future? If you do, you'll persevere and it will prove your character. Third, <clears throat> if you have proven character, you will produce, you'll keep on producing hope. You'll keep on producing hope. Hope is the reason you rejoice in affliction. <laughs> you want more hope. You grow in your hope. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of blood and steadfastness of hope. There's the two words, perseverance and hope. Perseverance and hope go together. Perseverance leads to hope. Everything you go through tomorrow that you stand firm in grace, you will grow in hope. Standing in the grace of God, handling the test, will make the believer's hope stronger and more secure in the future promises of God. So, everybody with me? First verse talks about rejoicing in hope. The things that might be stressful for a believer are tribulations. But you will have victory over them because you will persevere, you will prove your character, and you will grow in your hope. You're a winner because of the work of Jesus Christ. Now, here we get to the good part. I'm glad we got 45 minutes for the rest of the service. Here you go. What happens now? What happens now? How do we do this? How do we live this way? What gives a believer a stress-free life? Verse 5. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What gives a believer a stress-free life? What will help you be stress-free when that hardship comes tomorrow, when that thing that could cause stress comes tomorrow. What does it? Because the love of God. The love of God. What gives a believer stress for your life? Number one, a believer always is standing in the love of God. Always standing in the love of God. You have the love of God to stand in. And you stand in the love of God. Everything that comes to you tomorrow, trying to cause stress in your life, you stand in the love of God. This is the first mention of the love of God in the book of Romans. The believer that is justified, reconciled, standing in grace, having hope, because of the work of God the Father, enters the believer into a permanent place of love. A permanent place of love. Romans chapter 8, verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then you will not stress out when you have a hardship tomorrow. When you pray a prayer and God answers to that prayer and he gives you a trial, you'll be joyful. Something that could be stressful will show the believer the love of God. You will have the love of God. You will get the love of God. You will increase your love of God. And notice who increases your love of God. 
What's the verse say? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is connected to the love of God. Everything the Holy Spirit does shows you the love of God. The Holy Spirit's the person that shows the believer the love of God. Romans 15.30 <laughs> By our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. By the love of the Spirit. This love, by the way, and I've seen this mistake. Some people think that this is talking about you loving God. It's not talking about you loving God. It's talking about God loving you. God loves you. He does it through the Holy Spirit. Everything the Holy Spirit does causes you to love God more. If the Holy Spirit gets you to do something that is not loving, it's not the Holy Spirit. The love of God is given to you by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does the love of God keep your life stressful? How? Ask me the question. How? Good question. Here's the answer. I got four answers. First, God will always, always fulfill His promise. God will always, always fulfill His promise of love and grace. Love and grace. You will stand secure in God's love and grace. You will stand secure in God's love of grace. Tomorrow, that trial cannot shake you from the love of God, cannot shake you from your stance of grace. You will have hope that tomorrow you can handle the hardship because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the ability to stand firm in love and grace. And then you could say, the first part of verse 5, and hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Hope there is the uh, subject of the sentence. The believer, something, for a believer, something that could be stressful is not a hardship because the end, it produces hope. Anything that produces more hope in you is a good thing. Something to rejoice about. Therefore, there is nothing stressful in your life. It will produce hope. And you want more hope. For a believer, something that could be stressful will be strengthen his view in all the future promises of God. Something that could be stressful shall turn into eternal healing or even spiritual growth. And it does not disappoint. It does not disappoint. Why? Because it comes from a God who is faithful. God is faithful, and He will never disappoint you. And you put hope in Him, He will not be disappointed. There will never be a day where God will not fulfill His promises. And you can stand firm in the love of God and the grace of God. Second. Second, there we go, God. God always, second thing I want you to notice, God will always give the believer an abundance of love and grace. An abundance of love and grace. Do you see the word in the third phrase there? The love of God has been poured out. Poured out. <clears throat> I like that word, poured out. Poured out. Poured out. 
poured out. By the way, I know I'm a little weird, but here it comes. When you drive me someplace, the very first thing I look at, I don't look at your radio, I don't look at your seats, I don't look at the carpet, I don't look at the floor mats, I don't look at the steering wheel cover, I don't look at that. What I look at is how clear your window is. Okay? Because a dirty window bothers me. I cannot handle dirty windows. I cannot handle it. Matter of fact, Monday was the worst day of the year. You know why? I went out and I got mud on my window just immediately and nothing would get it off. I had to stop and clean my window on my way to where I was going. It was a terrible day. Every 30 feet I had to stop because I had to clean that window. One of the things that happens is when the rain opens and it pours down on my car. You know what happens? I get clean windows and I'm happy. But Monday, it was just spitting on me and just causing more ook on my window. It was a bad, bad, bad day. Poured out. You see this word? Perfect passive tense. In other words, you do not pour out on yourself. God pours out on you. And he does it in a permanent way. A complete and permanent state of being, and it begins at the day you were justified. From the point you are justified and reconciled and standing in grace, you are in the waterfall of love. God comes pouring down on you. You are covered in the love of God. Matter of fact, I got a picture for you. There you go. Poured out. This is a waterfall near En Gedi in Israel. And it pours out water. That's what I wanted my windshield to be underneath on Monday. But it wasn't. Poured out water. Listen. Tomorrow morning, when you get up, whenever you get up at 9.34 a.m., okay, what you will experience is the waterfall of love from God. And you will have it until you go to bed at night at 10.02. Okay? And you will have the love of God poured out on you constantly, all the time, every moment of that day. Because God does it because you've been justified, you've been reconciled, and you're standing in grace, and you're standing in the love of God. God pours it out on you. You are in the flow of God's love. God loves you. Now, there are two ways you experience this love. Two ways. <clears throat> First, I want you to notice the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Within our hearts. Let's put it this way. God will always give a believer a subjective love of God. A subjective love of God. In other words, he pours it out into your heart. 
into your heart. That's not, that's not how I can tell, but you can tell. Your heart will be full of the love of God. You will subjectively feel it. As you go through a hardship, you will feel more love of God. You will feel it, and then you will be rewarded because you feel the love of God in your heart. The heart yields to the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit indwells you, so that you can be subjectively feeling the love of God. And you do it differently than I do it. But however we do it subjectively, we feel the love of God. It may cause you to desire to want to go out and hit a little white ball with a stick. Or you may want to sing. Or you may want to play. Or you may want to joke. Or you may want to smile. Or you will laugh. Or whatever. But there is a subjective way the Holy Spirit works in you so that you know that you are loved by God. And that's one of the purposes of a hardship. Second. Second. Number four, actually. Four. God will always give the believer an objective love of God. Objective love of God. Where you can know for certain. The way God does this is through the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. The person does, the Holy Spirit does the work in the person so that you know the love of God. God does the work through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows you you're loved by God. <clears throat> by the way, the Holy Spirit does not indwell a person that's not loved by God. He only indwells people that are loved by God. You are loved by God. If you've been reconciled, if you've been justified, if you stand in grace, if you're standing under the abundance of love of God, the Holy Spirit helps you. I wrote this down. I like this. Through the study of the Word of God, or the preaching of the Word of God, or the teaching of the Word of God, or by prayer, or by the use of spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit works so that the believer experiences the love of God. The Holy Spirit confirms objectively that you've been loved by God. The pledge, you've been given the Holy Spirit as a pledge. Perseverance through times of suffering proves the believer is empowered by the Holy Spirit so the believer can rejoice in all his trials. The Holy Spirit is given to the believer. The Holy Spirit is given to the believer. The Holy Spirit If I was to do a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, here's how I'd start. I'd have two parts. First part, the work related by the Holy Spirit to non-believers. Holy Spirit does work in non-believers. He does a restraining. He does a convicting. He convicts of sin. He convicts of righteousness. He convicts of judgment. He does the work of regeneration in a non-believer's life. That's all he does. Then the work he does in the life of a believer... He indwells you, Romans 8 9. He seals you, 1 Ephesians 1 13. He baptizes you with a spirit baptism, 1 Corinthians 12. He fills you. He gives you spiritual gifts. He gives you guidance, Romans 8 14. He 
He helps you with your prayers. He gives you assurance. He produces spiritual fruit, Galatians 5. He intercedes for you on, on your behalf to God. He sanctifies you. And I like this one. This one that's key. This one's the one I underline. He illuminates the Word of God to you. He teaches you lessons from the Bible. Then, another one I like, power. He gives you power. Three types of power. Power to witness, power to overcome evil, and a power to overcome sin. And you get power. Those are all the things the Holy Spirit does in your life. You don't, you don't know how much He does. Matter of fact, if the Holy Spirit was taken from you, you would realize it. But you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you as long as you have the love of God indwelling you. You have the Holy Spirit indwelling you as long as you stand in grace, which you will have forever. You stand in grace. Application. Will I trust the promises of God that He will always love me and give me more love than I deserve and control my heart with the love of God as I submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Will I trust the promises of God that He will always love me and give me more love than I deserve and control my heart with the love of God, as I submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to be your leading guidance in life. The Holy Spirit teaches you, sustains you, encourages you through every trial you have tomorrow. He's there for you. And you know God loves you. You know God loves you. Newfoundland, Newfoundland, it's where? North of Massachusetts, right? Newfoundland, it's up there somewhere. It snows up there, you don't want to go there, okay? In Newfoundland, there's a small harbor. In that harbor, they have a uh, fleet of fishing boats, fleet of fishing boats. And they're basically, that's what they do, they fish. And the men got in their boats one day, and they went out fishing, and they took all the boats, however many boats it was, and they went fishing. And what happened was, they went into a storm, and they were gone all night, and the mothers and the wives and the children and the sweethearts, the girlfriends, they're all down at the beach, worried about their men out fishing. And to add to the problems, one of the houses of one of the married women, married to one of the men that's fishing on a boat that's lost at sea, <laughs> house caught on fire. So the next morning, the entire fleet came back to the harbor. Entire fleet, not one boat lost during the storm. And <laughs> the woman whose house burned up, came crying to her husband that glad that he was there, you know, that he survived. But he says, we're ruined. Our house and all it contained was destroyed by fire. And the man said, praise the Lord. Because when they're out there in the sea struggling, they couldn't find where the harbor was, and they saw a light 
and they sailed towards that light, which happened to be the man's house that was burning. She saw it as a terrible thing. He saw it as saving his life. I don't know what will happen to you tomorrow. I can't predict. Well, yes, I can. Tribulations. But it will not cause you stress because God will work through those hardships that you'll go through tomorrow and you will be stronger in your hope, in your grace, in your love of God. You will be stronger. And that's why this message came on a day where we had a snowstorm. So you would be here. So that the rest of the people wouldn't distract you from listening. That's why. So that you would pay attention and understand that God works the storms for your benefits. Quit goofing around. God will bring hardships into your life to answer your prayers for his glory and for you to increase in your hope. Everybody hear me? Don't be angry at God for answering your prayer by bringing a hardship. That might cause you stress, but it shouldn't if you understand the biblical principles. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, that you help everyone here. Maybe, Father, there are people here that are going through stress right now. And I pray, Father, that they would understand that the stress cannot move them from one step away from the grace of God, cannot move them one step from the love of God, that they are being downpoured in a waterfall of love. And though the time of trial comes, I pray, Father, they would not stress out but they would trust and put their hope in you, knowing that you have already done the, t the big work, justification, reconciliation, <laughs> standing in grace, bringing us hope. Father, grow our hope this week by bringing hardships in our lives where we can trust you. Father, be with each one of my friends. Minister your love to them, Father. Help them to know it subjectively. Help them to know it objectively. Pray, Father, that you would do a mighty work of love through the Holy Spirit to each person that's here. And I pray, Father, that we would grow in our hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.